Welcome to Sound of Truth Weekly Interview, where we hear about how God is at work in people's lives and in the world today. We're excited you've joined us. Here's our host, Brett Morani. I am absolutely thrilled to have Jeremy Stevens join us on the podcast today for our weekly interview at Sound of Truth. He is one of the founders of Tampa Underground, where he serves as a governing elder. He also leads one of their micro churches. Now, you may ask, what is Tampa Underground? Well, it is a unique missional church in Tampa, Florida. The late 90s, early aughts was when the church got started, and he was one of the, I guess you could say, uh, architectural strategists to help design this new way of doing church, if you will. He's an excellent critical thinker when it comes to ecclesiology, that is the doctrine of the church, and he's been a tremendous resource for myself as Harvest Jacksonville has sought to increase our missional DNA. He's been married to Jessica for 25 years now. They have four children, two boys, two girls, three in college, one in high school. Now that ought to sound really familiar because that's exactly where I'm at in life as well. Uh, He does coaching and consulting for, well, I I will say this, Lacey and I have been married for for 28 and a half years, but um, all the rest of that family description is exactly our family description as, as this is being recorded. But um, he does coaching and consulting for churches and for church leaders who want to increase their missional DNA, as I have referred to already. So, Jeremy, I'm so thankful you've joined us today. Welcome to Sound of Truth Weekly Interview. Thanks, man. I appreciate you uh, welcoming me on, and uh, hopefully I don't decrease your listeners. I'm confident you won't, my friend. So uh, <laughs> we're going to have Jeremy on for at least two episodes. Uh, first one here, we're going to hear Jeremy's story. So Jeremy, as we usually do here on the first episode with one of our guests, Mm -hmm. we frequently ask, hey, just tell us your story. What was your family life like growing up? Uh, When did you first hear about Jesus Christ and come to follow him? And then, uh, you know, we'll go from there. So start at the beginning, if you don't mind, Jeremy. Yeah. Yeah. So I've kind of grown up in the Tampa Bay area for, you know, my whole life, Uh, kind of boring in that way. I uh, didn't really leave for college or anything like that. Um, but I was raised in kind of two-parent household, mom, dad. A bit strange. They actually knew each other as kids. And my mother is named after my dad's mother. Um, so both sets of grandparents were actually really good friends until the time that they departed. And so I just thought that was normal. Like that that uh, that level of stability mm-hmm. and overlapping of lives um you know the my both sets of grandparents would like vacation together they would have rvs and they would go travel to alaska together and i just thought like yeah that's just normal or whatever and hmm. so kind of a unique and and you know my parents kind of knew each other as kids we have photographs of them playing at the beach together as children and then they kind of drifted apart didn't see each other for uh, you know quite a while and then then kind of randomly reconnected and um you know the rest is history so I come along and um, they, you know, were very Lutheran. So my dad's parents were very Lutheran, Missouri Synod, um, mm-hmm. which is kind of a more conservative side of things. Uh, mm-hmm. They didn't speak German in the ser- service, but there was Latin in the service. Interesting. Um, uh, yeah, so very, like many parts of a Catholic mass, I would be quite comfortable with. Like, oh, mm-hmm. this makes sense. You know, so that kind of like high church, high liturgical, not evangelical and not really Americanized. Mm. So I, I kind of attended, you know, consistently, we, we participated in the life of that community, and that was a big part of our, our identity. But the language of following Jesus kind of stuff, that really wasn't a part of what we discussed or talked about or 
it was it was kind of like more about it really being Lutheran and kind of holding on to that the security of that the dogma or the theology of it. Many great people, uh, and I you know come to find out later, I think some of them were like followers of Jesus, but for the most part, a lot of the culture was still very of uh, our identity is rooted in this kind of religious tradition mm-hmm. um, versus the the followership of Jesus type of stuff. So you know that w- that was a big part of my my upbringing. Um, you know, sharing the gospel that was like completely foreign. Um, accepting Jesus was also kind of foreign. That concept of accepting Jesus or praying a sinner's prayer or anything like that uh, was very uh, strange to me, uh, and, and in many cases still is strange to me. Like I, I'm like, uh, I don't know what you're doing here. It's, it's like a different religious tradition mm-hmm. that, that sometimes is you know uh, adjacent to actual the kingdom. <laughs> so I, I have these crossing cultural experiences as I come into evangelical world, as I as I meet with different diverse church planners. Uh, kind of, I, I still have a very Lutheran background, but mm-hmm. I hate college, not really following Jesus, but you know, kind of religious. So, where, did, where did you uh, go to school? Uh, the uh, for college? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the University of South Florida. So okay. go Bulls. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I mean. Uh, I don't know how to say it. I mean, it just wasn't a priority, right? It was just kind of, ah, they, they accepted me. That's cool. I guess I'll go here. You know, no no destination, no purpose. Type of thing. Did you commute from um, home or did you live on campus? I commuted from home. Yeah. It was okay. close enough. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Growing up kind of more of a country boy, uh, that was also a crossing cultural experience because uh, most of my peers, uh, most of my peers actually didn't graduate high school. Uh, we're we're um, like a little small band of criminals. And so most of them did not graduate. Um, There's only two or three of us in our friend group that that left high school, hmm. uh, and I was the only one to attend college. Okay. So so kind of coming into the college world, that was also the kind of like this is a weird, a weird cultural thing. Like I don't understand just what, what's happening among other other dudes that are there. That the men, the women, kind of it just seemed very foreign to me. So you know during that time, you know I just just attending class, just aimless, and going to church services uh, for the most part on Sunday because that's like what you did. Um, we're still living at home, but uh, also standing, started dating this this young woman, and she come to find out she's Catholic. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, well, you know, I'm Lutheran or whatever. And we and she was like, well, that's a problem. And I was like, yeah, well, it might be a problem that you're Catholic. You know, I know Lutheran history. And like, <laughs> yeah, we got beef, and we started basically debating and. Our, our relationship was like, I mean, typical, just chaotic, you know, full of chaos and, you know, ups and downs, very immature, immature as, uh, as a human in both of us, um, you know, take it out on each other, that type of stuff. But what was the interesting theme was this religious theme. Mm. We started studying the Bible together to prove each other wrong about our respective religions. Really? You know? Yeah. And then we actually started studying the catechisms also. So I studied the, you know, you know, Luther's small catechism, uh-huh. the, the Catholic catechism, you know, and it, this, was, this would be like some date nights, like some date nights, dinner, movie, right? Other date nights, catechism, you know, very <laughs> weird, you know, and, and like both of us not really following Jesus. That was the thing. It was like, we, there was like no sense of like full commitment to the kingdom or Jesus or like, he's the Lord of heaven and earth, like type of stuff. It was more like, well, I'm trying to prove this other person wrong. Like they're idiots. And then she's trying to prove me wrong for idiots. And so uh-huh. this this was like a theme of our relationship for a year and a half or whatever. And parallel to that, there was a lot of like just chaos in my inner life, like depression, mm. um, 
you know, uh, su- suicidal kind of tendencies, mm. that type of stuff. Like, all mm-hmm. so I was, I was a mixed up just bag of meat, right? Yeah. Um, and didn't really know where to go. But it was in the middle of all that, just looking at those things and, and comparing notes and being super religious and um, <clears throat> that, uh, you know, I just kind of came to a moment, a crossroads. Like, I'd been reading Jesus enough and going, wait, it's all or nothing with this guy. Mm. Like, just... It's half in, half out. It doesn't work. Just attending on Sunday isn't a thing. Not that what I'm reading. Right. Know? Yeah. <clears throat> so that, that was like a big kind of epiphany. Um, but I also wanted to kill myself. Mm. I wanted it in my life. And so I, I kind of came, I, I actually stole a gun and I had the ability to in my life. And I, I kind of had this, this crisis moment, this existential crisis in my bedroom in my parents' house. Mm-hmm. Where I basically was like, I'm, go- I'm going to, I'm my, I lose my life tonight, mm-hmm. in one way or the other. It was very clear to me, and and I had never seen like an altar call or like a <clears throat> prayer kind of thing. You know, it was just like this just seemed very natural. Reading Jesus and going, I, I lose my life tonight. I either kill myself or I lose my life to Jesus. Mm. And now how old were you at life, this point? My life like is worth it. Nineteen or something. Uh, nineteen. I just mm. turned nineteen. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. I just turned nineteen, and that that was like a turning point where it was like, okay, I need something different. Um, need a different direction. So it wasn't like it was extreme. Whatever. <laughs> I don't know how to put it any other way. It's just it was an extreme kind of moment of saying, I, you know, I'm done. I have come to the end of myself. Um, I've kind of the end of this, this half in, half out. It's one way or the other. Let's, let's go type of thing. And, um, and so I, I kind of was kneeling and crying out to God in my bedroom and I didn't know what to pray, but come to find out later, I prayed something very similar to what a lot of Baptist friends would call it. Oh, you prayed the center prayer, you know? Oh, okay, good. I guess, you know, I guess it worked or something, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but just that heart cry, you know, God save me for mm-hmm. myself, you know? Um, and that was the beginning of a journey of, of saying, okay, where I, what do I do now? Right. So I don't really have any Christian friends. Um, and, you know, I attend the thing on Sundays. Mm-hmm. Um, and the best advice I got, um, from the Lutheran pastor at the time was you need, you need Christian friends at, on the college campus. Mm-hmm. And I remember asking, I was like, can, but do they have to be Lutheran? Cause I don't, I don't think there are any Lutherans on the camp, on the campus. And he's like, no, they don't have to do Oh, wise <laughs> you know, man. So like he, yeah, yeah. And, and come to find out, I mean, years later, like, oh, he was really a brilliant leader and mm. Jesus follower himself. Mm-hmm. Just really grateful for his presence in my life. Um, Gregory Seltz is his name. He's kind of become known in the Lutheran Missouri Synod since then. Okay. Um, moved, moved on. But, um. <clears throat> but he gave me that advice. I, I go on college campus. I start looking for Christian groups. I'm, I'm, I'm still kind of in the middle of kind of coming out of depression. It, didn't, it doesn't go away immediately. But I'm walking down and there's this Baptist group kind of have a table kind of advertising itself. And I'm like, well, I'm not Baptist. You can't go there. And, uh, and, then, and then there's this other group, um, InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. And there's a cute girl sunning her legs kind of behind the table and reading an anatomy and physiology book. Um, and I, I said, oh, that sounds like a sports group. I, I would kind of play competitive soccer for a significant portion of my life. Mm-hmm. Let me go talk to them. And come to find out it's not a sports group. It's just a Bible study kind of 
when is it student led Bible studies? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, and I signed up, and um, she became my first Bible study leader. Uh, we we eventually co led together, and then I married her. Oh, so it worked out for me. So really this well. is Jessica that was behind the table. <clears throat> yeah, I, I met Jessica behind that table, and she she called me like thirteen times to come to her Bible study, and I was always busy. I, I worked a lot, um, kind of you know worked and, and went to school. And, Mm-hmm. Um, also depressed and I was also commuting and so it, yeah, I was just so grateful that she just kept calling me even though I was like ah, not this time or she didn't get a hold of me and, and she just persevered mm-hmm. and eventually I, I, I showed up and I was like what what is this like people my own age studying the Bible trying to apply it they're praying themselves mm. trying to you know and, and trying to take risks for Jesus and sharing, sharing Jesus with other people it was it was just like blew my mind. I mean, it blew my mind to read the Bible. Mm-hmm. I had been reading the Bible, but in it for a different reason, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and this this was like read the Bible for for like to know the God of the universe and to respond to Him, not just not just know stuff about Him, which which was probably more my tactic previous was to read the Bible to know about God, so I could then condemn others or condemn. The yeah, you want to scroll, read right? the Bible to prove that you're right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, to prove pr- prove my righteousness, you know. <laughs> Come to find out, it did not do that. Yeah, oh, that's great. <laughs> um, yeah, and so that that was my journey into university Christian fellowship and discipleship, and just really letting the scripture just shape, guide, and kind of start addressing all all my whole life, you know. And it, there's just no area that's left untouched, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, so. so from there, we could get into it. Starts blending into underground story and yeah. moving into the inner city and racial reconciliation and justice work, but then planting churches all over the place. <laughs> but that's kind of like that seismic shifting um, part of my story. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing. Let me ask you this as a kind of follow up question for your conversion. Uh, you obviously had a wise Lutheran pastor to help point you toward an excellent place of, uh, to, to find peers that you could grow mm-hmm, with. Mm-hmm. Uh, but how, how was your conversion received at home and among your friends? What kind of impact did that make or did it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a good question. Um, I think, uh, for the, the only other guy that was like my peer age, he was off at a different college and I would say that he was a follower of Jesus. So he was very excited. Like, mm-hmm. this is great. You know, like, we should be Christian. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, yeah, he's, he's gone on and he's like remained very faithful to Lutheranism, you know, and I have not for the most part. Right. right. Um, um, my parents thought I was joining a cult within a varsity. Yeah. That's what I, I, I partially why I was asking the yeah. question, you know, you're, you're kind of rooted in this family cultural tradition and now, yep. you know, you go from, you're attending that every Sunday, like a, like a good Lutheran boy. And then now mm-hmm. all of a sudden you're converted and you're okay. This is my life now 24 seven and get around these people who are studying the Bible. Oftentimes it has an unsettling effect on the, on the parents, even though they are happy that you're going a good direction that kind of freaks them out too. Right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So they're happy. I, I don't want to kill myself. Um, they're seeing positive things, but they're also seeing radical changes, uh, you know, and things that are divergent from their lives. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so that, you know, that was troubling for them. And, and they, they would also say at that time that they, they were good Lutherans and they were good moral people. You know, they, they might go, maybe we're saved, 
but we were not followers of Jesus. We weren't, weren't actively, the relationship with God was very uh, infantile, mm. you know? And, you know, since that day, that, that has changed for them. So like my mm. whole family follows Jesus and Wonderful. my parents are involved in the underground and they've led microchurches. And oh, beautiful. They're, they're really amazing. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a really amazing kind of redemptive <clears throat> story. But they, they, they also kind of, I always have to remind them like, Mom, Dad, it's totally fine. Like they, they do regret. They, they feel like they did not raise myself and my sister in a Christian household, like a Jesus following household. Mm-hmm. They raised them in a Christian household, but not a Jesus following, Jesus centric household. Mm-hmm. And they recognize that difference now, and mm-hmm. they, they really, you know, they, they mourn over that. They just feel really bad about that. But I'm like, it's okay. yeah, but look what God's done. <laughs> you know, you have to. Look yeah, yeah. So, not back. so they, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, I've, I've, I mean, your testimony is so similar to so many others where the parents are like, okay, that, that's nice. We're glad you're not suicidal, but now don't get carried away with this, you know. And yeah, then over yeah. time, yeah, they, they get carried away with it too when they see that, you know, Jesus is so real and, and has made such mm-hmm, a difference in your life. Mm-hmm. And it's not a cult. It, it's just biblical Christianity. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. And they didn't have the words or nuance or education to really parse out. They All they could do is respond to like, with you know, the concern they were feeling because of the changes with cult mm-hmm. <laughs> or something like, you know, um, <clears throat> when we started the underground, they also thought we were starting a cult. So, <laughs> right. you know, it was, a, it was so like, far oh my bounds. gosh, you've right. upgraded <laughs> from <laughs> attending a cult. <laughs> to, now you're starting one. Now you're starting your own? Like, what is wrong <laughs> with you? <laughs> now they're part of it. They love it. It's all good. So oh, that's great. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, yeah. Well, this would be a good point probably for me to say we're, we're running out of time here, but I really appreciate you sharing your story, Jeremy. And it's a good segue, too, for, uh, you know, next week. I think usually about a week after I'll, I'll put out next episode, we'll, we'll talk about, uh, let's talk about this thing called the Tampa Underground and what is it and, and how is it different mm-hmm, from, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, what most of us experienced growing up. And for those of us who grew up in church, so a little bit of ecclesiology discussion, doctrine of the church would be, I think, healthy and good. So that's great. We'll, we'll come back and do that. So thanks, Jeremy, for your time on this episode. Thanks, man. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sound of Truth Podcast. If you enjoyed it, please rate and review it. Also, tell your friends about it. Thanks. Music is by Canon and is used by permission. Sound of Truth is produced in collaboration with Harvest Jacksonville and is copyrighted by Brett A. Morani, 2024.